Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Cardboard Herald, my chance to talk with creative gamers and game creators, and welcome back to the show, Nick Brockman. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? I am excellent. So since the last time I talked with you, so much has happened. You've gotten a promotion over there at Leader Games. You are significantly longer in the hair section, <laughs> I'm shorter in the hair section myself. <laughs> And now you have done the development for Ahoy and are designing an Ahoy expansion, which is the main focus of the interview today. So tell me about how this came about. I mean, you were the developer on the game, but you did the design itself. Did you always plan on designing future content for Ahoy or did this come <laughs> through some other channel? Um, so it was, um, in fact, the opposite almost. So when I was developing Ahoy, um, one of the one of the big things that we were working on, um, and one of the like big development um, goals, even that I had, was to make the content um, very closed. Uh, the, the idea was that Ahoy wouldn't be expanded. Um, we wanted a game that was easier to get into than a uh, than Root. Um, you know, quicker with the asymmetry to understand, and that just like wasn't going to. Um, you know, kind of have just as many rules that players would uh, need to deal with, something that get easy, easier to the table. Um, and then uh, I think after a while, you know, Ahoy had come out, uh, we'd been playing it more in the studio. And at some point, um, I think we kind of just realized like we were still excited about the product. Um, and even more so, I think we wanted to see the audience more excited about the product even. <laughs> um, and in that in that way, it was just like, um, I don't know, Hoi was a game that we're all huge fans of. And after playing it more and more, I was like, well, maybe there is something here that we can, uh, I can weasel in here, um, even though my job also, you know, a year ago was to close all of those doors. I'm now in here with the crowbar. Uh, trying to crack them back open. <laughs> That's a good way of looking at it. One of the things about expansions is, is that they can generally be broken into two different types, right? You have the just more stuff expansions, mm -hmm. and then you have the more of a overhaul to the essence of the game expansions. Mm -hmm. I know these are generalizations, but yeah, yeah. could you kind of fit this into one of those two buckets? So, man, it's almost... It's like kind of both. Um, the closest thing I'll to compare it, it to is uh, <laughs> the closest thing to compare it to is honestly, um, and it was it took us a while to realize, but is to compare it to Vast um, okay. and the mysterious manner haunted hallways because um, the expansions for those games um, haunted hallways adds an alternate uh, night that you can now bring into the manor. Um, it adds an alternate monster that you can bring into the uh, to the manor as well. Um, so it is more content, like, you know, there's more stuff, but you can't play two heroes at the same time in the manor. Um, so this works that same way. Um, these are alternate characters um, for the two, um, the two main roles in the game, the uh, Mollusk Union and the uh, Bluefin Squadron. So we have um, alternate factions for them, the Shellfire Rebellion and the uh, Blackfish Brigade. <laughs> and then um, the Smugglers are also going to have um, alternate factions you can play as if you'd like. So in, in playing in a three or four player game, there's also a uh, Leviathan, a giant sea monster that a player can play as. And then there's uh, another role that's um, it's kind of undergoing a makeover right now a little bit. Um, he uh, once was a swindler, kind of huckster. Uh, now he's a bit more of like a magnate captain. Um, we're seeing exactly how he's going to land, but um, that's that'll be an, another alternate faction that you can play. So it increases the uh, faction combinations a ton. I mean, you can play, you know, the, the Blackfish can still play against the old Mollusk Union. Um, it can play against both the Smuggler or the Leviathan. Um, so you're going to be seeing a, just, I think, in that same way we're adding 
just two more root factions or something really um, and especially when we added like the militant ones um, really expanded just the number of options and kind of ways you're going to be able to experience the game i think that's what people are going to see most is it still going to need to be anchored to use a nautical term <laughs> um, with the two core militant factions like you're always going to have to have a, a blue fin and a mollusk or the equivalent of correct Okay. Yep. Yep. So there's um currently I kind of always refer to them as just like blue and yellow factions or like of really course. dark or really dark blue. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so there always needs to be a, a blue faction in the game. There always needs to be a yellow faction in the game. And then once you get into three or four player, you can play with any of those. Uh, I'll call them third party factions, either a smuggler, the Leviathan, or the captain. In that case. So with root and with oath eventually leader games or even included in the original release had solo capabilities with these games was that ever a consideration with ahoy like figuring out some way that we need to work solo into this and was that something you were tempted to do with the expansion um so as the um i guess it's like you know i, I was the project lead on this project and uh you know at some point um solo content isn't something that i'm super passionate about um, right and it, kind of when it when it came down to it, it was um, we found that the often the best solo work that we're able to find is by um, you know exterior developers, people who are really focused on that content. Um, so if it's something that we want to do, it's um, I'm actually I'm like actually not the guy for it even. <laughs> um, so um, n not honestly, no. Um, when I was thinking about it at some point, it it kind of came across like, hey, do we want to try to do bots? And I was like, I I don't. Uh, and then when, you know, it came that way, it's like, well, let's see how people react to all of the new content. Um, let's see if people are, you know, if people are still vibing with it at that point. Um, and that's kind of what, you know, if people are saying, like, I would get a Hoy to the table way more if I could play solo. I could see uh, a way for bots to possibly function. Um, but yeah, it's definitely not one of the focuses of the, the development at all. So as a developer, yeah. uh, when you look at the original Ahoy yeah. and you're thinking, okay, there, there are ways of breaking up these doors mm -hmm. and seeing what you can put in there. What are the things that you try to address? Is it things that were niggling in the back of your mind as you were working on the game originally? Are they like things that are responses from the public to the, the original release? Like, what's your entry point for trying to decide what a good idea to roll with would be? So it kind of started, um, a lot of it started from a place of like, what do I just want to see in the world of Ahoy? Um, I think Ahoy, one of the best things about it, in my opinion, um, like the game part aside is just like, the world and vibe of the game. I think it's like yeah, one of the yeah. best like seafaring games. Uh, it has, it just has like all the things you want. It has islands, it has gold, it has crew you can recruit. Um, and in that same way, it was kind of fun to just imagine, you know, these are worlds that we get to play in when we're designing. And it was like, well, what are cool other things that people want to see when they're, you know, imagining, exploring fantasy sea worlds and stuff? And it was like, well, like a giant sea monster was pretty quickly on the list. Of, of course, things. of course. Um, and then in the same way, right? And then in the same way, it was, um, well, you know, you kind of need something that's going to be like a predator if you want to go that way. And you know, I looked up, you know, ocean predators. What are the big ones? And, you know, it's <laughs> it's sharks, it's it's orcas, and then it's like sea otters or something was like the third one. And I thought sea otters would be like a hard sell to try to explain as being really violent, apparently. Um, and so it kind of it came from like a a, a vibe check almost. Um, and then the the original swindler. Um, was from a point of wanting a player who was 
kind of being that like skeevy negotiator, uh, you know, like selling you selling you bad goods. Um, and he ended up not working out just given um, how <laughs> I learned a lot about player interaction and player driven scoring <laughs> during that development. And uh, Ahoy just wasn't really the game to support that kind of thing uh, is what I learned eventually. During the development cycle, was there ever any experimentation to try to make like a two player game where there was a smuggler or an automated smuggler work? I know this is kind of getting into the solo question, mm -hmm. but even the two-player game is very restrictive. You you can only play it with two of the factions in the box. And I'm sure that there's a lot of people out there who are like, man, you got Root and I get Root and I, you know, my wife and I are only going to play that with the birds and the cats. And now mm -hmm. I have to play with only the mollusks or only the, the bluefins. Let me play with all the toys. You know, did that, did that ever, uh, was that an avenue you ever explored? I'd say it's a, it's a bit of a, um, it's like a bit of a desire, certainly. You kind of wish games could do everything, right? right. Um, and at some point, like, it also does come from, like, what are things that, you know, like, tastes-wise we're interested in the game. I mean, I've heard people, there's there's so many interesting suggestions about Ahoy. I've heard people say that they would prefer if the smugglers would... Um, if in a four-player game the smugglers would compete just against each other and the okay. uh, other two factions would compete so and there would be two winners like a, a smuggler player would win and a, uh, a you know a, a militant faction would win and i i see where like a lot of the desire um kind of comes from for this stuff but i think like at the end of it the i, I just found like that the the core dice dynamic between those two factions. And I will say it's part of the reason I wanted to expand on the two militant factions. I wanted something that was a little bit more to chew on. Um, but making it where you could play as like the swindler versus the the militant factions and things, um, you just find so quickly it's it's honestly nearly the same problem as trying to say like, well, can you put the eerie versus the vagabond? And it's like, not really. Like there's just um there's just core game design problems with the way it was built that like it's it just can't support that kind of like multi um multi piece uh faction versus like these solo ones in a in a reasonable way. Um and then there's also just the limits that were put in by the original design, frankly. Um when I talk about closing doors, um, you know, naming pieces specifically on boards like comrades or patrols, um, immediately locks out a lot of options for well, how does how does somebody compete <laughs> against the faction if they don't even have comrades, right? Like these were and these were choices that I was you know I was you know, handcuffed by a year ago, which were uh, just interesting design constraints to have to work through. I mentioned this earlier. You have gotten a promotion since I last mm -hmm. talked to you. You're the head of game development. Like what what's your title at Leader? Right uh, now? Senior game developer now. Senior game I'm developer. Old man. And yep. yes, yes, old man. That's why you had to grow out the hair. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you needed to grow into the role. Uh, yeah. Dress for the job that you want. Uh, exactly. The job yep. you have. So as senior game developer over there, I know you have design credits, including this expansion. Yep. But what are the skills that you think make a good game developer? I think one of the biggest ones is being... Um, always unsatisfied um it's it's a, it's a little bit by being really critical of your work um which is I'll, I'll say in like a really good way i i come from design school um i have like a, a major in graphic design a modern product a minor in product design and like cr critique and is is something i'm really familiar with um it's something i'm really comfortable with and you know looking at your own work and being like just recognizing like well this could be a little bit better and 
fortunately at leader games i mean we have the the benefit of like being full-time staff who can spend a lot of times on these problems right i mean we're not um i'm not doing this in my spare time after work on the weekends right where like development would have to be much more um I wouldn't have time to be so to, to to be so critical, right? I couldn't, you know, I'd have to if if I want to make the game ever in that setting, it's like, well, you know, at some point the game needs to get made. This is probably how it needs to be. But, you know, we try to hold ourselves to a high standard and what that means is like throwing away a lot of work too. Um I mean the the swindler for example, I think it's it's maybe the largest amount of design work I've like thrown away. Um I I think um, I mean, it was, I worked on it for multiple weeks before, like, deciding recently to just, like, I, I think I need to go a different direction. And, like, that's hard. It's hard to do. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, a skill, definitely, to be able to give up on something that you've gone that far on. Um, and I think that's, like, one of the biggest ones that, um, that, that, I, that's been really important. Because, like, I'll say I'm not, I'm not, like, a big math guy. You know, I didn't go, I don't have, like, a, major in calculus or something it's not um a lot of people think like that might be the side of it that matters um but for me it's often just about that like i feel like this should be better i feel like this could be more interesting um and what can we do to get it there is is what it's all about so of course you are heavily involved in the development of the other games that are come mm -hmm. from interior within uh leader games but when I originally talked with you, I believe it was uh, in support of Fort, uh, and then we had Ahoy. So are are you kind of a much larger part of the external game pitches to leader games at this point? Like, I imagine years ago when uh, Fort was a thing, that was a pitch that was made to Cole and Patrick. But now you're kind of the guy who you know really brings to life the external games yeah i mean i i definitely get a lot um i, I mean at this point I, i've gained a lot of trust and respect from cole and patrick in that regard right um it's you know when it's dealing with like external stuff there is a you know the the emails get sent to me and cole at this point and you know they're they're pitch documents they're whatever they are and um we try to give them all as much time as we can. Um, sorry to anybody who's never heard from us. <laughs> Let me just like upfront. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, we don't, and leader games is weird. I mean, we don't, we're not looking for external designs is one of the big things that I also should be super clear here. We're never um, actively looking for them. Um, the fort getting rethemed into, or SPQF getting rethemed into fort um, and uh, Greg's version of hyperspace smuggler becoming a hoy are, you know, you know, not the not the norm certainly, but um, you know, Cole and me have a um, have have a rapport, and we've also worked on enough games at this point where we have a really um, what is it? It's it's like it's like being a construction worker and being able to like quote a job a little okay. bit. It's like it's yeah. like as you, as you work more and more, you're like you look you play the game and you're like yeah, like this is like six months of work. Like and and we've we're both gotten a lot, you know, and generally me and Cole. Um, you can always tell there's like a, a problem or something that we need to like look at more or discuss when our our estimates are really different from each other, right? Because it means like I either think a design problem is just really easier to solve or Cole's seeing a much larger problem. Um, but yeah, like I I'm the I am a part of Leader Games who does get to say yes and no to designs both internally and externally. Um, and it's it's hard. I mean, I've I've had design pitches that I've made to Leader Games internally that have gotten rejected <laughs> by Cole and Patrick. Um, we we all hold each other to a high standard in the same way like you know when cole's presenting games to us it isn't 
um, we're never presenting things assuming that like, yeah, just because who I am and you guys trust me, like this is for sure going to work. It's like, no, we still are making, we're still checking each other's work, holding each other to high standards um, and trying to make sure that we're all like proud of what each other is creating, I guess. One of the games that has gone through huge amounts of iteration from the time that it was originally announced and discussed and then crowdfunded was uh, ARCs. Yep. And, you know, that hasn't been delivered yet. But tell me about the original pitch and how it was received by you as uh, an internal person, you know, when Cole's showing off this game, hey, I think this could be a, a really big game for us. And how much did the the development uh get driven by you or you and patrick and mm -hmm. cole himself or how much of that was in response to the desires of the audience because certainly arcs seems to have evolved in a way to cater to some of the wishes of uh the backers out there yeah so arcs um man, yeah arcs and development that's an interesting like just like subject um so at the beginning um you know, Arx's main conceit that I do think hasn't hasn't changed at all, actually, which is like, despite all of the changes, um, we want to do a big space storytelling game that's going to have uh, you know multiple acts, multiple arcs, right? You'll have you know, uh, first episode, second episode, third episode kind of vibe to it, right? Um, a rising, falling action, all that stuff, right? Climaxes. Um, that's still there. That has still been the thing that we've kept through it. But I'll say like, that wasn't. That's not a good enough pitch or idea <laughs> to make a game at Leader Games, frankly. Like, if that's all Cole said, and that's like all he had for weeks, he's like, it's going to be stories. It's going to be. It's like, okay, we, that's not enough. But like, I remember the, the, the hard, like the hard design part that I think people are going to, like, just super resonate with arcs uh, that I think is is so good is the the action system in it, um, mm -hmm. and that that card selection action system, which was. It's like I mean, trick taking, I, right? It's yeah, it's like this trick taking action selection um, where you're you're leading cards. You can drop the value of your cards in order to score points. Um, it's it's super clever, and that also is one of those like once it got locked into a certain way, it really hasn't changed since. Also, and it was one of those things where Cole could have at that point, after we had the action system, from my perspective, been like, actually, I want to make it a Western game, and I'd be like, that doesn't <laughs> great, it doesn't matter because this, because the 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 core of this action selection thing that we have right now that that we've we've created over you know those those weeks of just sitting at a table playing cards in front of each other trying to make something work is is so solid now, um, and like that is like the thing that I think like if anything from like development and all that is like one of the biggest things I had like a hand in helping with was just like that beginning of the action selection and the, the way the resources would affect that um the ambition declaring um and like then later on in about the like i'd say in the last third or so of it um when the game started getting into its in its campaign format um i'll also say in in terms of when it was pitched to me what did we think um i i was kind of the one of the people who was was very in favor of splitting the products. Um, there was one point where Arcs was going to be only well, one box, this large campaign game. You would buy it all, right, get right, everything right. in it. Um, and I remember, like after we created the action selection thing, and then we started adding all these other rules. I was like, I really, guys, I really think this core action thing is so solid that like we don't want to um, essentially like force attach it to this 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 big unwieldy thing that people just might be a little intimidated by. When if we can get them in the door with like just how, how tight and clever this is. Um, and I'd say like, to me, that's also one of the biggest like development, like opinions, <laughs> product things that like, that came out of that whole thing. Um, 
because it's I think it's like been huge for the game. It's also allowed the expansion, um, the campaign content to get bigger and stand on its own more. Um, it can be more of its own thing, um, which I think is like has only helped it. And that's where I'll say um, Josh and Cole have like really taken the reins in the last like third of it. Um, you know, there's there's so many rules clashing with each other, so many things that like you have to be so deep in the product to really understand all of the nuances and how how changing one word here is going to affect another thing. So as I started sinking back into Ahoy stuff, I essentially part of like like ships in the sea. I was like, all right, you guys, if you need me for playtests, um, when you need me for playtests and stuff, I can do all that. I know how the game works and stuff, but like nitty gritty rules campaign stuff was is all Josh and Cole uh, in that last bit. How much do you look to other games out there as comparison for things that you'd like to achieve? Like, as someone who doesn't really experiment with game design at all, but I review a lot of games, I certainly look at, like, oh, that kind of has a thing like that, and that's clearly influenced by this over here. On the other hand, one of Leader's whole shticks is just, like, a commitment to bizarre originality. You know, mm -hmm. absolutely, there's influence from other games uh, on your products, but it seems like you really want to wow the audience with uh, something new where you can't just point to and be like, oh, that's a terraforming Mars type, or, mm -hmm. you know, that's a, I don't know, an Arc Nova type or mm -hmm. whatever. Um, but I got to imagine you got to play a lot of games that aren't leader games to know mm -hmm. what's out there, to develop your skills, to stay relevant, to stay fresh. How much do you consciously think about other games and the marketplace and your your position and role in it as you're doing development and design work? Um, so I um, I think I probably play a bit less board games than some people would think in my free time. Um, I do get to play a lot of stuff at work, and I'd say like um, Cole has always been um, a big advocate for like playing games that are just like important uh, and, and like you know Cole, Cole's busting out. I can't even think, you know, like the, the Knizia game that you haven't never played that's been yeah, on your list that yeah. you're like, I know I should play it eventually. Uh, Taj Mahal or something, right? Oh, yeah, okay, we should play Taj it's Mahal. The, and you do the, play and you go, wow, this game is really good. Yeah, <laughs> it's the equivalent of being like, well, I really should get around to reading Catcher in the Rye or something like yeah, that. I've, yeah, I've, I've heard it's good. I'm sure it yeah. is good. And then you do, you go, <laughs> okay, it is. It's like, it's like really good, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think those, to me, um, those types of like, and, and I'll say, like, the way gaming culture has shifted, we we look so much at a lot of the the modern, what, what's happening in the past six months, what's happening there. And I do think, like, I'm often impressed by how much more original older games often feel mm -hmm. um, than, than some of the stuff that I've, I'll find, like, currently. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I'd say one of my biggest influences personally actually comes, like, I play a lot of video games, and um, I take a lot of, like, inspirations, I'd say, um, from a lot of the video games I play too, um, you might think like, how can it translate? But games are so much about like that feeling um, that you're that you're getting at or something. I mean, I remember playing. Um, I was playing. Uh, I was doing a review of playing all of the Pikmin games. Um, uh -huh. Pikmin yeah, Four okay. came out, so I was burning through all of them. Of course. And I was I was playing Pikmin One, and like the, I, I like I was like smitten after the first two days of Pikmin One because the, the the core loop that it gets you in is is so tight it's so clean it's like it's like it's like pure game in a way that i like i was i was like gobsmacked by and i remember being so i was so floored by it i have a i have a prototype sitting in my office for like a 
a game that was trying to recreate that same timing movement puzzle that mm -hmm. I felt in Pikmin, where there's this like, okay, how I don't know how how exactly long this is going to take. This thing's kind of far away. I don't know how close they'll be to me in time. And like those those feelings of puzzles are things that you can are, are instantly translatable to other media in a way that I think people uh, underestimate sometimes also. One of the core tenets to me of leader games is like early transparency. Like mm -hmm. I, if you compare this to say fantasy flight games, uh, you know, I guess Asmodee North America now, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> they, they're not going to be as revealing about the the early iterations of a game. You know, like we don't even know if we're going to make this yet, but we're going to throw up Twitter photos of these games we're working on. We're going to have uh, developer chats. We're going to have designer chats. We're going to actually do some of this development and designing in front of you. And the Kickstarters uh, or just crowdfunding in general, whatever crowdfunding source you, you use in the future, tends to come at an earlier stage, whereas many other companies are, are worried about having the finished complete product at the time that you're doing the, the crowdfunding. Uh, do you think that that um, uh, is, is helpful or a hindrance or is kind of neutral? Like, you know, like uh, what what impact does that have on your job? <laughs> Um, no, this is a great question, actually. It's not something I'm often um, like asked about. Um, I think um, Cole, and, Cole and Patrick are like super open about their design process, um, and they're more, I'd say, like more comfortable or like more being like in the public than I do, even a little bit. Um, I don't have you know nearly you know Ahoy's a Kickstarter or backward kit is <laughs> soon, and like I don't, there's not a lot on my Twitter. I haven't really, um, and I do think um, it, it just comes from different ways of like I always think about like getting energy. Um, and like maintaining that energy um, because definitely one of the best parts about sharing stuff early is people get excited. You know, you share, share art, of course, people are going to be excited about it. Um, it can keep you, you know, burning on a project when like, when things are getting grim, you know, it can be really helpful to, to post a photo, um, to post a design diary, to see people react to stuff. Um, I'll say that I do, I find that I'm a little bit more solitary. Uh, I like to, uh, there is, oh man, I think there's a, there's like a Sakurai YouTube video about this on his like game design <laughs> thing. I, I know I'm not joking. I'd recommend checking it out. Uh, and it's about like, it's about like spending your design energy or something. And it, it really struck me because he talks about how would never share stuff before it was ready, um, would keep it really close to his chest, polish it, polish it, polish it, keep it as excited as he could for himself before then showing the whole thing. Um, and I do find that that resonates just a definitely a bit more with me um i do like the once i've decided i like something i'm pretty i'm like stubborn i guess also <laughs> in that way so like i don't if i'm if i've if i've like committed to myself in this in my in my dungeon i've really worked on it you know and of course my peers and my coworkers agree that like this thing is good i feel like um i'm, I'm really happy like with just that energy to then go yeah this is it this this is it and that's what it is um but i do find that like uh, I mean, right now I just opened up more testing for the Leviathan um, in, in my Discord, and I, you know, feedback starts coming in, and there is always this like, I always tell my coworkers, I'm like, there's always this like, oh, feedback, like, <laughs> it just like, <laughs> yep. suddenly like uh, opinions that aren't mine, like, um, and and you know, I think um, you know, you get you get used to it as you do it more obviously, um, but also like um, to your question before about like inspiration from from other people or designs and stuff, I do find that like I. 
whether good or not, I do really like to try to, um, I try to keep things like pretty, pretty tight, like pretty, pretty tight to the chest. And like, I often will look for design solutions, you know, with, within myself, I guess, harder um, before I start doing a bunch of research, which maybe isn't good. Uh, it probably maybe leads to a lot of, you know, spinning my wheels, but uh, I also think it's where like raw creativity happens, I guess, is my point. <laughs> it's a good place to be. And, yeah. you know, like, I, I don't know, like, I, I'm the type of person where, you know, like, maybe it's a, it's an insecurity thing in my part, mm -hmm. you know, yep. I, I, I feel like if I am revealing too much about the process as I'm making something, then I'm opening myself up to judgment, which may, you know, like undermine the original intent. I just want to commit totally. to the the original intent and be confident in my capabilities and that the the finished product is worth pursuing of course i like feedback but i'm i'm i tend to be more selective about you know when the sausage is getting made mm -hmm. um because i know that if someone is like oh this is terrible even though i consciously know this is like a half-baked form where it's probably yeah. going to be terrible yeah. i'm going to let that get into my head and impact how i otherwise would have approached it but I mean, I guess that's just different ways of approaching creativity in general. Yeah, right? exactly. But no, that, that that was like a really, like, I, I think I relate to that too a little bit more. That was just a super interesting question. I hadn't thought about it that much, actually. But yeah, I, I do think I, in general, like, keep things a little bit closer. But I do, I want to share more. I'll say for anybody out there, I want to <laughs> get to know you. <laughs> One thing uh, that occurred to me, uh, because I was recently talking to Andrew Navarro of Earthborn Games, uh, oh, yeah. formerly of uh, Fantasy Flight, Asmodee yep. North America, uh, your Minnesota neighbors, um, yep. and realizing that there's quite a few studios developers artists and just game communities that are built up there in minnesota do you think that that is because of the foundation of such a monumental company like fantasy flight uh in minnesota and it just happened to be where christian peterson was doing it or do you think the unlikely um uh heralding of this uh this board game design capital uh in um minnesota <laughs> has something more to do with like the the community like it's primed for being that type of uh that that type of output yeah you understand what i'm it's a real it's a real chicken or the egg situation kind of like yeah yeah, which, yeah. yeah, yeah. no i so i do think um i think like my opinion, at least, uh, I'm sure somebody could do the research, but um, I think it's it certainly has to do with the climate. I, I think like people are a uh, we're uh, we're animals of climate, and I mean like wasn't I mean D and D was de designed by a guy in Wisconsin originally? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. as well. Like, yeah. so, like and and point being like just like I think a lot of people indoors for a long time. <laughs> um, eventually, like there's just you know, but pre video games there wasn't much to do. Um, and then I think, like, there is also just that community with it. But, I mean, like, the number of times I was playing cards with my family or something back in Wisconsin was, like, it was because we didn't have internet at, at the cabin. So, like, yeah, right, we would play right, cards, right. right? Like, it's just it's just the thing to do. And it's cold outside because it's, cause it's Wisconsin. So we're not going to go outside. We're not going to go sit at the beach and look at the moon or something at night. Like, no, we're going we're gonna to sit inside and play cards until 2 in the morning. Um, so I think it comes from that culture, at least. That's, that's what I think. 
yeah there's some simpatico going on between yeah. alaska and minnesota and wisconsin right now you know I, yeah I'm, I'm feeling it i understand the uh cold interior board game playing yeah well i want to uh end this uh with just talking about what you think as the is kind of the oeuvre the essence of leader games at this point because you have changed and your positions change and your perspectives change and i think that it it's worth kind of acknowledging that what leader became best known as at one point has also kind of evolved and changed over the years so like when you think of what represents leader games as products as creative outputs as a team what is it to you that you want to make sure that every game has um for me it's about it's about making games that are like <laughs> important to like someone i know that seems like maybe maybe generic but like the the biggest thing that i i feel like um at least for myself that like i find the most appealing about projects when i see somebody in the office talking about them or something is just seeing like somebody who's clearly so passionate about seeing something exist that didn't before we are in such such a unique position i like i i can't even like i'll, I'll cry if i think about it too much uh to get to create things that are like with a team of people who are just like there to support it right and so when somebody has that like you know no you know fulsome excitement of the team um an, an idea they're interested in and like being able to just put you know we're not of course we're company trying to make money and stuff but like the, the you know the meetings still aren't like well i guess we just got to print this because you know the quarter this year xyz like no we're, we're making games that people are excited about the reason we're making a leviathan and a hoy is because i want a sea monster in the game i worked <laughs> on a year ago do you know right. what i mean like it, it doesn't it's it comes from a point a place of like just like yeah i don't know just like excitement and joy about it i mean i i think like the games <laughs> i want to have games that are like have a sense of play to them and i think um we really focus on having games that are like socially fun as well as the like table thing and i think it's because we're a bunch of fun people who enjoy hanging out and playing games together genuinely um and it makes it a lot easier so the next time cole is like i want to play a game about reading the encyclopedia you could be like Psh, get out of here cole you have orly gig for that come on exactly we want... <laughs> exactly yes exactly yep for playful sure. come on playful yeah yeah no i mean i i i'm i'm i keep it light i'll say like you know of the of you know when of the dev team or you know the design team you know there's patrick cole and me um i certainly am the one playing the the, the lightest wackiest stuff in general um and i think um uh certainly a lightheartedness is something that i do think is like uh, important to our games i mean i think our games are charming i think they're funny uh i think like that's something a lot of people don't uh don't necessarily appreciate as much as like as i do being so close to it um i think we have like there really is a charm to, to the product i mean i think so much about oath and i can't wait for people to see arcs there's so many like funny little abilities and characters and like stories that can happen and um i think like that's what makes our game special and that's going to be a whole nother conversation because I'm excited to talk about ARCs as well. Yeah. And we're going to have to have you and the other guys back on to yes, talk love to. about this. This is going to be awesome. But for now, we have an Ahoy expansion that's coming up on the uh, docket, uh, coming down the pike. Some other yep. metaphor 
it's on uh, the horizon um yes yes I'll, I'll have all the information that is available at the time that this is posted yes. nick it's been an absolute pleasure thanks again Jack, for coming on to the show man yeah thank you 